what's going on, party people? This is Edgar Otraves, bringing you another episode of the Floro Podcast. Now, today, we have a very special guest, Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt John Lawrence from Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, in this episode, we're going to kind of pull apart the stand-up game in Jiu-Jitsu. We're going to talk about throws, takedowns, and some strategies for your overall game. Now, if you're new to the show and you want more, head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can purchase some merchandise and support the podcast while you're at it. So one of the things I tried to do with this episode was I tried to conduct it in such a way so that I could split the show in half. So we did gi in the front part of the episode and no gi in the back part of the episode. It's kind of hard to split them because there's so many things that kind of overlap with both. I tried my best to kind of keep them separate, but of course, there is a lot of overlap. So consider that when you're trying to listen to the episode. I love talking to John about jujitsu. He's so analytical. It's the only thing he does. So he really does concentrate just on jujitsu. He's an amazing practitioner of the of the martial arts, and I just love the heck out of every conversation I have with him. So without further ado, on with the show. Okay, so uh, welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. I am Edgar Traves, and today on the show I have a very special guest, John Lawrence, owner and uh, head instructor of Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland, and uh, we're going to be talking about takedowns. So uh, how you doing, John, man? It's, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, I love it, man. I love talking. Uh, I love talking Jiu-Jitsu, especially with you. I think you, I think you do a really good job with the... Uh, with the questions and the subject matter, um, takedown should be interesting. So, so that is straight up, like just that's just you want to do a deep dive takedowns. I want to get real nerdy on the on the takedowns. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, like, because um, I think, and this is not a knock on just competitors in general, but if I feel like, I mean, we're not judo guys, we're jujitsu guys, right? And a lot of people, a lot of schools, they train on the knees, right? And again, and, and it's not a knock on any school or anything, but it, you know, they're, they're trying to minimize injuries, right? When you're rolling, you know, you got one guy right next to you and you got another guy next to you and sometimes you bump into them. But if you're on the ground already, it's not a big deal. But if you're like doing a blast double, uh, you know, a bunch of people are gonna, are gonna get wrecked. Yeah, I agree. So just in general, like the, the, the takedowns aren't the best, I think. I'm speaking generally, just in competition and jujitsu players in general. But uh, I see. let's just start from uh, the point of what are some basic strategies other than the obvious, you know, getting someone to the ground. Uh, what yeah. are your basic strategies for? And we'll start with the gi. We'll try to answer for both gi and no gi. But what are some basic strategies for for you when you're on the feet trying to get the person to the ground so you can actually initiate some jujitsu? Mm. Okay. Yeah. I think it's wise to break it down between gi and no gi because those are two very different things. I think it's really important to make the distinction also between, uh, and I'll just ask you this. Do you mean uh, in the training room or do you mean in competition? Because I think those are two very different questions as well. Well, um, let me see if I'm following you right. Because in the training room, you know, you're training the takedown or the throw, you know, you're not going full blast, right? Even when you are sparring, doing a takedown again a blast double on your partner is going to be different than on your opponent in competition right is that what yeah. you're trying to say that's part of, that's a small part of it but also 
let's just say one piece of it is how willing, how stubborn you willing to be on your feet if you are or aren't getting what you want, because that could be incredibly unproductive in, if you're in the training room to spend in certain circumstances to spend five full minutes or seven full minutes or whatever your round is basically just grip fighting on your feet. I mean, if you did that every day, you know, in the training room, it would be, if you did it every day, it would be a profound waste of time. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if you're talking about a, a, a competitive environment where you've got a game plan and you've got a handful of movements that you've drilled and repped over the course of several weeks, that's, I think that's exactly what you want to do. I think you do. I think you want to be stubborn on your feet, find the grips that you've drilled yourself to find. So, so that's what I'm saying is it's, it's very, I think it's, you have to make the distinction between the strategy and the training room or, or the strategy in a competitive environment. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, okay. So let's talk about the training room a little bit because I'm glad you made that distinction because there has been the situation and, and I'm sure everybody who's who's been in a white belt competition has has had this happen to them where they're like you're saying someone's really fucking stubborn they're not going down he's not shooting he's just holding your collar and, and framing you out and yeah. nothing's happening and you just wasted four minutes and now you have no choice but to like pull guard or something stupid but sure um so let's talk about training throws and and, and takedowns so one of the thing one of the distinctions you made is it's like okay so there's a difference between maybe competition, you know, takedowns and just drilling kind of, or trying to learn a new skill or learn new takedown or throw, right? Because then at that point, you're just trying to acquire the knowledge. And part of doing that is not only listening to your instructor, but also practicing it and getting in the reps, right? So mm, what are some of the strategies for a person? Let's start with the learning part. Mm. What are some of the things that a person should be doing when they're, when they're training something like a, a takedown or a throw where, you know, you could fall and you could accidentally injure yourself. What are some of the more, the smarter ways of training for, for, for that kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, I would get the obvious stuff out of the way first and say that you, you do need to be, you do need to be adept at, at break falls and not only, not only adept at them and understand them, but you really also have to, I'm guilty of not doing this. I'll, I just want to be clear in case my students are listening I get called, <laughs> i'll get i'll get called out but to to rep your break falls even deep into your years of training because it, it'll program your body to fall the correct way you know if you get thrown in a way that's uh that initiates a forward roll that's very serious because what you don't want to do is you don't want to scorpion out on your forehead and then have your legs and your ass go over your forehead and break your neck i mean that's mm -hmm. th that's that's a that's a real possibility um, if you, if you, if you fall incorrectly. Um, so I think understanding your break falls, building, building that, that foundation of safety essentially is what you're doing. I think that's, that's obviously first. Um, and it, uh, as you know, you've been training for a while, people are just totally allergic to doing that once they get into their years. I mean, break falls are boring. Mm. They're repetitive. They're, especially if you're not warmed up, they're, they're painful like they, they don't feel good yeah. and th that's a step that people will just very willingly skip um my, and yeah. I'm, I'm i'm just to be clear i'm including myself in that I, I i'm guilty of that as well and i i should do a better job i know? i think a lot of people are because like you said they're painful if you're a bigger guy especially and, and you're landing either wrong or your technique isn't spot on they really hurt you know um so you're saying 
you got to train your brake falls regardless so that you can accident proof yourself from yes. when you're falling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always think of it as, as programming, like you're program, you're programming your body to do the correct thing. I mean, I, you know, if you say you have somebody drop in at your gym and they, um, you know, uh, here's a good example. Somebody you, you probably know. Do you, do you remember Tulio Peroni? The, oh yes, I do. Black belt. Yes. Yeah. So he he's and we. I, I would actually like to talk more about him because he's he's a good frame of reference for a lot of the stuff that I would I would talk about. But he he had an outstanding drop seoi. Is um so if, if for people listening who don't know that throw, the drop seoi nage. The idea is that you're gripped up with somebody and they're let's say that they're pushing into you aggressively. So you drop to your knees, you turn away from them, and you basically throw them over your head and shoulders into a forward roll. Um, you know, if, if you if you have somebody come to your gym and do that, and no, let's say nobody else at your gym does that throw ever, your body's not programmed to fall correctly, and you're gonna you could really land on your head, um, and and, and injure yourself badly. Um, so obviously that's a problem. <laughs> you, you don't want that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, the, the the body programming. I think it, another thing in jujitsu that maybe people don't think about enough is your equipment that you're using when you train. In our case, this would be the mats. So if you're training somewhere where it's just one inch mats over a concrete floor, um, that's not good. Yeah. Now, now I'm not saying if that's, if that's the only place you have to train, that's just the way it is. But I think, especially now, the way that the sport has evolved, like gym owners have access to more evolved sprung floor systems. And I think it's essential at this point. And it, it increases safety pretty dramatically, I think, you mm. know, as opposed to just mats over concrete, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a sprung floor system in my gym. I don't think it's the best system you could have, but it's very good. Fuji just came out with an insane sprung floor system that I want very badly for my gym. But <laughs> I, I, I priced it out and it would be like $20,000 just to do the, just to do the sprung floor. Like not, wow. I'm not even talking about mats on top of it. So, you know, it's, it's primitive still. Uh, but anyway, so I thought I would throw that in as well. I think a lot of people wouldn't consider, you know, the mats and the equipment that they're using. Um, but that's, that's really important, you yeah. know, to, to have a good surface to fall on. Yeah. What do you think about the, having the crash mat? You don't, you don't like the crash mat. You prefer the spring floor or. I, I, I have one, but a crash pad, even if you have a large one can only really service like one group, possibly two groups. Mm -hmm. And in my case, if I have a class of 40 or 50 people, like nobody, not everybody's going to get crash pad time, you know, yeah. that's more like for private lessons or something. Yeah. Yeah. But we, and we do, like I said, we have a crash pad and it, it, it gets used, but like not everybody, you know, not everybody is going to get a chance to use it yeah that's the same uh similar situation with my experience in terms of crash pads but yeah like the sprung floor it makes a big difference man um it's incredible it's incredible it's a, yeah it is a huge difference because viana brothers has uh the sprung floor and uh i remember uh i went to a new gym after i left viana brothers and uh, it was you know mats on concrete but you know it was a giant facility yeah but i remember landing the first time and i'm like god damn that that hurt a little bit, <laughs> you know. Your, and, bo your bones will ache after that. Oh yeah. Oh it's yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Um, and the uh, at that particular school, the the head instructor was had a, a judo black belt, so judo was part of the instruction, mm, and it sure. was a little. It was a little rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. That I think that's maybe more of an asterisk. I think I think the break. Let's just say break falls first. The the equipment is also important, and then again something that's that I really have to force people 
to understand and reap the reward of is superior grip fighting technique. If we're talking about gi jiu-jitsu, this is the, the wrestling equivalent to hand control, wrist control, and head position. It's just as important. And man, I mean, I, I've got some really coachable students who understand how important grip fighting is and how important it is to drill it. And, and they inevitably reap, reap the rewards because going back to Tulio, Pedro's uh, black belt, who's also black belt in judo, he was the best grip fighter he, to this day. He's still the best grip fighter I've ever trained with. And then to this day, he's still the best person I've ever trained with in terms of his takedowns in gi Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I, I couldn't say the same, maybe for no gi. I, I didn't even train a lot with him in no gi, but he was a nightmare. I mean, he would he would just let you grab grab his collar. He understood fully that he could break the grip and then do whatever he wanted. I mean, you didn't even want to touch the guy, yeah. you know? That's kind of awesome, man. Cause it's like, okay, so you're going to, he's like, yeah, come and grab me. I'm going to break the grip off and then I'm going to throw you, you know, there's no place to hide at that point. No, it's awful. A lot of the, a lot of the takedown series that I teach at my gym are predicated on not you getting the optimal grip that you want, but it's, it's keying off of like the person making that primary grip on your collar and then reacting based on that. Because I got that from Tulio. Like it was just, if somebody like to visualize here, if you and I are in an open stance, like we slap, bump, we're standing and we go, and we have no connection to each other at all. Let's say that I want your sleeve, right? <laughs> we can literally do this right now. If you just put your hands up. It's like, you know, we're going, <laughs> right? And like I, like, I want your sleeve. And so every time I reach for your sleeve, you move it. Mm -hmm. And then I try to find it. And then you, and I try to find the other one and you move that one. But if I stand there and your hand comes to my collar, I know exactly where your hand is going to be. So now it's mine. And I break the grip and I have it. That was his strategy when I would train with him. Tulia would allow you to make the primary collar grip because he knew that's where your hand was going to be. And as your hand was going to his collar, his hands were coming to meet you. It was totally predictable where your where your sleeve grip was going to be, and then he had it. And then once he had your sleeve, he hunted for his second grip, and then, like I said, he just threw you with whatever he wanted. You know. So then, at that point, so then, let's say the person, you know, generally speaking, most people will reach out with their right hand. Sure, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, do you think uh, that's the right grip to start with? Do you, would you rather grab the collar, or do you rather go with the sleeve first, then the collar? Yeah. So that's the thing is it really, it really depends on how the skills and the attributes match up in terms of grip fighting. So mm -hmm. if I'm going against somebody and I know that my grip fighting is better than theirs, like I can reach out and grab their collar and, and then start to, um, to move them around with it, push, pull, uh, find the second grip that I want. But I feel like if their grip fighting is superior, pretty much wherever you touch that person, you're going to pay for it, which mm. is why I put, which is why I put such a premium on, on having superior grip fighting. I mean, if, if you go with somebody who's got better grip fighting than you, it feels like you're slowly being pulled underwater. It, it feels like you're not going to, it feels like you're not going to have success and that can give people like a deep sense of dread, mm. you know? So just talking about grip fighting. Now you have somebody, let's say he's, crazy strong he's got popped by forearms right. he puts that hand on that on that collar and you can't break it off what do you do at that point do you change your strategy or do you just take use that to your advantage do you pull guard what do you do at that point you can't get this yeah. guy off you right um if you i would say if you make that an absolute statement that that, that can definitely be a problem i would just pause and say that 
90% of the time when people complain that they can't break somebody's grip off their collar, it's not a strength issue. Mm. It's, it's, it's a technical issue. Okay. Um, it's something about the way that they've gripped, the way that they've angled their body, the angle at which they're trying to break the grip, uh, even time, like even their timing, you know, there are little timing tricks that you can use, uh, to break somebody's grip off of your collar. So I would just, I would just like pause and just asterisk there and just say like, most of the time people are like, he's too strong. And then me not being a particularly strong person at all, mm. I can pop this guy's grip right off my collar. And it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that like I can bench press a lot or that I've got big forearms, like mm. I'm, I'm skinny. You know what yeah. I mean? Now that being said, yeah, I think you can get to a point of no return where like say somebody has like a strong collar grip and then they're fully controlling your sleeve as well. Where again, like you just kind of feel like you're on ice skates at that point uh, with a lot of guys then it might be appropriate to, to pull guard in a way that is not passive. Like I'm sure you've seen people sit to guard in a way that is like, they look sort of terrified, like they're mm-hmm. doing it in a, pa- in a passive way. Yeah. You know, whereas like, I think, you know, that could be the time to really aggressively sit under somebody, start to load them up, start to off balance them. Um, I'm not against guard pulling. Uh, mm. I'm really big on takedowns, but like also there's, I mean, there's time and a place for everything, you know? What do you prefer when it comes to the gi? Do you prefer throws or do you prefer takedowns? Because when I'm in the yeah. gi, I go for throws. Like mm. it's just, I get framed out and then I go through a scenario like what you're talking about. I break the grip or whatever. And then at that point, I might as well throw them, right? Yeah. I haven't competed recently, so maybe my thoughts are would be different. But I have a series of judo throws that I'm that I like, and so I'll go through those. And then, if the opportunity presents itself, I'll go for a takedown. But what do you lean towards more, and what are your thoughts, and why? Yeah, exactly. Sure. When it comes um, to the gi. Yeah, I would say uh, just generally speaking, and then we can break it down. I prefer throws. There are a few reasons why I prefer throws, but that's kind of where I land. On gay Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you would basically, you would want a, a very adept throwing game supplemented by like some fundamental, like some basic wrestling knowledge. You can't not know how to wrestle because people will exploit that. Yeah, I've trained with guys who are pure judo guys, and I'm talking about judo guys under the post-2012 rule set or Whenever it was that, that they changed the rules where you couldn't grab the legs anymore. Are you mm-hmm. are you aware of this rule? Yeah, yeah I am aware of that rule it, because okay. I guess it had something to do with wrestlers getting in there and uh, making a mess of things. But correct, yeah, which is hilarious. They wouldn't just evolve, but what you know, that's a topic for another day, maybe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I think it was around 2012. Don't quote me on that. I can't totally remember, but there was a time. There was a time when you could grab the legs, and there was a time where they all but made that completely illegal i've trained with guys who trained a lot of judo but they were trained under that rule set where like nobody could touch your legs and when you shot on them a lot of them just didn't really have any understanding of like how to deal with that wow and you know unless they had a wrestling background or something then of course they would yeah um but yeah so i think yeah if you're wearing a gi i mean just look at olympic judo i mean those are the guys with like some of the best, I mean, not some of the best, the best takedowns in the world. And I think having a gi on, I mean, you've got essentially a series of ropes wrapped around your body, the, the belt being one, but then the collar being another, and then the sleeves and the pants 
being just an additional series of ropes. And it's like, well, not only can you use them to throw people, but you can use them to like stifle a wrestler. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you stifle a wrestler in the gi? You make a collar grip. Yeah. And that's, and that's all you have to do. You don't it, have to do anything else. That's all it takes, man. Right. And it, it, I remember right. the first time I started jujitsu and we were doing takedowns or throws or whatever we we're right. standing and I had no understanding of it. They grabbed my collar and I'm like, I can't shoot. Like what the fuck? You know, like, right. I mean, I tried, I tried anyway, but right. it doesn't work because they just, they just frame yeah. you out. You know? So, so we're in Ohio and we've got just a ton of like, corn fed wrestler boys here that's amazing and, but and but one of the things these guys they come in and you know they get stifled by the collar grip and then obviously very frustrated i just pull them aside and i go i go ch just check out some of these grip breaks and then i show them some grip breaks and if they are coachable they absorb the grip breaking and then they can once you dominate the grips this is I'm bringing it back to, to the importance of grips mm -hmm. you can once again use whatever level of wrestling you had high school or college wrestling or whatever like you can be that guy again mm -hmm. uh if you can if you can dominate the grips like you can do the exact same things but if you don't know the grip fighting game you're just going to be frustrated you know yeah. and that's that's where maybe maybe throws come in you know mm -hmm. so you're thinking just your overall strategy starts with the grips and then you yeah. work your oh, way around yeah. Mm. yeah yeah i have one, one thing that drives me crazy and I see this from both new and, and advanced guys is they will, you know, you slap bump and then you engage. And then I see both guys set like a right-handed collar grip and then both guys set a left-handed tricep grip and then they go forehead to forehead and they put their ass back a little bit. And then they just, I don't know what they're doing. They're doing but, nothing. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're, and you see, and you see, you see it at tournaments, like most really more in the master's division among like the heavier guys, and, you know, I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's fine, I guess. But yeah. um, if I see my athletes doing that, I mean, I'm definitely yelling for somebody to break that, that lock that you've got on each other. So, somebody take a hand off the collar. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have that like leap of faith to go break the grip on your collar. You've got to take your hand off their collar. Uh, yeah, that's, you've seen that before. Oh, so. I've seen it. Yeah. And it's been done to me. Like I hate it. And then at which point, you know, what do you do? Right. You're trying to be aggressive, right? You're trying to go for the takedown and the guy is just sitting out. He's not going down, you know? So like, what choice do you have at that point? Well, you, know? you have a you have a choice, but the choice is uncomfortable because again, just visualize, right? I, we both have our right hand on the collars. We both have our left hand on the sleeve. Mm -hmm. One of us, one of us has to take that leap of faith, take our hand off the other person's collar, and attempt to break the grip. And that can feel extremely vulnerable. Once you have that confidence to do that, you're always going to be the better person in that. Let's call it the the gee clinch. You mm -hmm. know, like you're always going to be better than the other person there. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I always, I'll always yell at my guys to, you got to open up there and you have to try to break that grip. So let's talk about competition. Okay. The referee blows the whistle. What's the first thing you do? Do you go right away for the single or a double, or do you go for the collar grip? What do you, what do you do in the gi? In the gi specific to my game, I've got, I've got a series of, I've got a series of takedowns off of a specific grip set that I like. And again, in the context of a competition, I'll be, I'll be patient to get the grips that I want and, and then execute the takedowns that I've drilled in the training room. It's like I said, that's, that's sort of a different topic, but um, you, you, so specific to like my style of jujitsu, like what takedown specifically am I looking for? Um, 
I, I don't want to talk about too much about your game because okay. I, I feel like I don't want to expose your game and then yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. You know, coming to Chicago tomorrow. I'll be in Chicago tomorrow. So. Oh yeah. wow! Really? Yeah, I'm coming to the Open this weekend. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, there's promotions at the school I'm at, so I'm going to be at the promotions. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But uh, what was I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I don't want to expose your. Okay. Yeah, generally speaking, I don't want to talk specific about your game because God forbid your opponents are listening because you know. <laughs> So many people listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, so um, I would say, um, yeah, you like I. Here's what. Well, it, it, it's probably easier to start with what I don't like. I don't like people to go in and just sort of go, sort of have the attitude of like, well, we'll see what happens. Mm. You know, I I really don't like that. I like people to, I like people to have a very clear idea of what they want, and then really like two to three pathways that are going to going to benefit them. I like them to even, even when we drill. So like, like drilling is so important uh, and the way you drill is so important. So like when people drill takedowns, like just imagine you're in the training room and your instructor's like, all right, drill this takedown, go. You'll see two people stand about a foot, a foot apart from each other. And then the person, whoever's turn it is, they just, they, re- they reach, they grab a sleeve and then they grab the collar and then they practice a repetition on the throw, right? I mean, this is, I never let my guys do that. If I see them do that, I come over, I stop it. I go, don't do that. I go, start from three feet away, slap, bump. Both of you get into stances. And I'm not saying that the other person, I'm not saying your partner's resisting. I'm saying, be a good actor. Like, get into an athletic stance, tuck your elbows in, put your hands out front, and then find your way, like, at a realistic rhythm, to the grips that you want. Did you see the difference between those two things? You know Absolutely. Yeah. It's okay. part of the whole okay. visualization of actual combat, right? I mean, yeah. it's, yes. Yes. And, and then, yeah. and this is like, we've talked a little bit about this kind of stuff before, maybe not exactly this um, scenario, but just in general, like visualizing, making sure that you have kind of progressive training so that you get closer and closer to what real combat is like. And this yes. is just more the same kind of stuff that you that we talked about before. Yeah. So given that, like, hopefully, like, none of my athletes ever go into a competition and just sort of wonder what happens next when the ref says, you know, come back, like, go. So, yeah, there will be, like, a very clear pathway to the grip set that they want, whether they're going to pull guard or hit a takedown. We have, we, we've got, you know, we've got both types of people. They, they know how they're going to get the grips they want. They know what grips they want, and then they know what they're going to do after they get those grips. So there's like anybody who would go in and be like, "Yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of see like what happens." I'm going to like, "You're not competing. Like, get get out of there. Like, no, <laughs> you're, you're not. You're not ready. I, I don't. I, I that's that's are, not productive. Are you are you seriously going to do that to the kid? Are you going to be like, uh, no, you're no, not- no? I'm 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 joking around, but yeah. like, but like say so. I'm training my team for for a competition in two weeks, uh-huh. and if I have somebody who was like perpetually like. Oh, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna see what happens. Like, I'm just gonna get in there and like, whatever happens, happens. And like, you know, they don't have a game plan. Like, I, I'll for sure tell them like, sit this one out. You need to be ready. You know mm. what I mean? And it, not because it's like some big serious thing, but because it's a combat sport, it's a competitive environment. It reflects on on me and my team. And like, I don't want you to go in there with sort of like a fuck around mentality. Like, I want you, I want you to be focused and like have a plan. You know. Mm. Mm-hmm. it's important do you think that that's 
a character thing? Do you think that's just them needing a little more coaching? Like you don't, you don't just coach the kid and tell, Hey, look, you need to have a game plan and uh, you know, I won't let you compete unless you come up with something. Do you, do you do that? Or do you, or do you just like, uh, no, or does it depend on the kid? I don't really even approach it like on an, on an individual level in that way. So, so again, I'll reference this competition we've got coming up for the past, maybe four or five weeks, I've been, I've been walking them down a path to get ready for this. So about five weeks ago, we were on takedowns and grip breaking fundamentals. And it, we even lumped guard pulling into that unit. Like it's basically your opening move. Like we, I want to almost think of it like in a chess format, like what is your opening move? It could be a guard pull, you know, it could be a fake guard pull to an ankle pick. Uh, it could just be a straight up throw, mm. but we give people options for opening moves. If you're a purple belt and you already have a series of opening moves, you just drill those moves during the drilling block and you ignore what I teach. Mm. But for everybody else who might not yet have that developed, you drill what I teach. And then we follow that, that up to passing a guard for a couple of weeks. And then as you pass the guard, the person resists by by turning away from you trying to avoid the passing points you take the back and you get a finish so i'm trying to draw everybody like a very linear pathway from start to finish in the weeks leading up to the competition Mm. so so the point behind me saying all that is by the time like the last week rolls around there really shouldn't be anybody who's going like yeah i don't really know what i want to do because i've just i've just listen unless you weren't here for the past five weeks i've laid it out for you Mm. you should have some idea of like what your path to victory is. Otherwise you either haven't been paying attention or haven't been coming to class. That's amazing. That's amazing that you do that for your, your, uh, your competitors. Cause uh, you're right. It's, it's not like a month out, two months out. You're not learning anything new at this point. You're just getting better no. at the yeah. things you already have. You're not supposed yeah. to be trying new shit on the, on the mat, on the competition day. That's right. like the wrong time to try a drop side on Aggie. You never tried, you know? Agree. Agree. And, and to that point, you know, like when we were doing back takes you know, one day, um, you know, we'll have, we'll have some guys and they, they mean well, cause they just love jujitsu and I'm not hating, but like, I'll, I'll say guys go hit your back takes. And then I'll see a guy who's been training for a little while and he's trying to like hit a barambolo to the back. Now, some of my guys are ninjas at Barambolo to the back. Some of them are really good. This, you know, this person in particular, uh, not good at it at all. It's not to say that they shouldn't drill that skill, but I, I go, do you do that when you roll? And they're like, oh, I'm trying to figure it out. I go, it's not figure it out time. It's sharpened knives. You've already got strong time. Mm. Like that's what, that's what it's time for. Now, after the competition, if you want to drill that, you should do that because you should learn new jujitsu and you should get good at that. But yeah, three, four, five weeks out, like we're not working like the new thing that you maybe want to try because it's, it's not going to pay off well. Yeah. It's not the time. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So I I like some of what you're talking about because you got to, you got to imagine success. And again, we've talked a little bit about this kind of stuff. Uh, I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before when I was training to box for the first time or kickbox for the first time, my instructor laid out a whole scenario. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how you, you know, explain everything verbally to me, what the competition was going to be like. And then we did with ref and everything, we did a, like a mock, you know, round with somebody, you know? And so mm. I mean, we sparred, but then like somebody, you know, somebody came into the corner, the, you know, corner man came out and gave me water, all that stuff. Like we made it like it was an actual match. Like right before the bell rang, the corner man jumps out, pulls the stool out, 
boom, 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 and you go, right? So like making it as close as to what it would be like to actually compete, I think is one of the things that really makes you stand out as, a, as an instructor because it's not something I see too often. I've been in a few schools already and it's not, it's not something I've seen. So it's, uh, I, uh, I give you props for that because that is, I think, very important for success to be able to imagine not only like, you know, have this scenario where you play this out and stuff, but also have a plan in your head and imagine, you know, you, you hear it by it from everybody, every, every coach, every, every motivational speaker, they all say, you got to imagine what you're doing so that you can actually accomplish it. But it's, it's not just about, Oh, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to raise my hand. It's like, what are the steps all the way up to that point to raise your hand? I think sure. that's amazing that you, uh, you do all these things and you tell the people, Oh no, you know, you can't, you can't practice being bolo right now. This is you're you're five weeks out. This is not the time for uh, meeting bolo. That's, that's really cool that you have that in your head for your students. Definitely st structured out. I mean, we, we've known that this competition was coming up for, you know, like probably three or four months now. And, you know, whoever it is that you can get to register, sometimes a lot of people want to jump into the competition. Sometimes a lot of people don't. That's just the way it is. But it doesn't matter if there's like 10 people registered. If it's a, if it's like a local competition and like I endorse it to my team, then we basically just <laughs> we just sort of railroad the curriculum, like whatever we're on. We're going, OK, it's now it's comp prep time. Mm. And the people who don't compete, I just say you're going to benefit from this, too, because this is really this is going to be a tremendous focus for you. Like you're, you're, if you don't compete, you still hear people who aren't competitors. They talk about like, you know, they'll get on Reddit. They'll ask about like, how do I develop my A game? That's exactly what we're doing. We're developing an A game. It's just mm. people who only roll in the training room, call it a game. And then people who compete call it a game plan. Like that's the only difference. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm not, I mean, so, so, I, I followed you up until you kind of said, okay, well, people who only train call it a game and yeah. people who complete his game plan. Why, why is, what's right. the difference exactly? There's no difference. That's, that's my point. It's the same thing just going by two, by two different names. So like mm. I tell the people, like when we have one of these competitions and I'm getting the entire, I'm just saying the entire school, we're all getting ready for it. Even if everybody's not competing, we're all going to get ready for it. PNP, like I said, people who don't compete still they still want to know how do i develop my a game like what's my a game i mean you've heard this phrase before right mm -hmm. and i've heard this from people who have no aspirations of competing whatsoever and that's fine but everybody benefits from the prep because the people who only train in the training room are developing their a game and the competitors are developing their game plan but it's they're it's the same thing you know what i mean like there's no difference between the two i, I have to agree like anybody who trains has a little curiosity of what it's like to be a competitor, even if they're afraid or for whatever reason can't compete because time sure. restraints or whatever. But everybody has a curiosity as to what's it like to actually train like a competitor. So I think this is this is good for everybody. I mean, it's good it's good even for the non-competitor because like you're right, it brings everybody up a level because the competitors are giving it all their, you know, they're giving it all in the training room. And the guy who's not competing, who's practicing with these guys, he's going to feel it and he's going to be pushed up to the next level too. So, I mean, it's good for everybody. I would just like to be clear while we're on the subject, because I know I'm like, I'm very pro competition. I know that it's not for everybody. It can be a pretty intense endeavor, depending on like 
your disposition. Like I think it can be very high anxiety for a lot of people. Some people that I train, I have no interest in seeing them compete because I just know that they could, mm. you know what I mean? So like, I don't need to see it. Like I, I got a couple guys who I don't think have ever competed. They're like Brown belts now. And I just know like this guy can go and turn it on. I don't need to see it. You yeah. know, I, I'm more curious to see it from people when I'm not sure if they can turn it on. Like, I, like, and I'll tell those guys, like I go, I, you know, I, I want to see you in there. You know, I've even made contingencies on rank for some guys saying like, I'm not going to give you your whatever belt until you compete three times. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, this is not something every person, like every person needs different things. That is not a prescription I would make broadly. Okay. But like on an individual, on an individual level, like I absolutely would, I would say like, I, you know, I, I, I want to see you compete three times. If you don't want to, that's fine, but you're going to be sitting at blue belt for the, you know, the next four to six years that, you know, like, and, and I'm fine <laughs> with that. Like if you, but I would also say, I would also say, as I'm saying, it's not for everybody. And I fully respect, I fully respect that. I don't, I don't have a lot of patience for, I guess we just call it like the excuses as to why you can't, you know what I mean? It's like, I know there are some exceptions to this. Again, I want to be very clear. I know there are some exceptions, but you know, your schedule finances, um, if you really want to do it, you can find a way to do yeah. it. And if you don't really want to, like, there's nothing wrong with that. I want to be very clear. Like there's nothing wrong with not having the desire to do it. But what I don't like is double speak. I don't want, I don't like people to say like, man, I'd really like to get in there, but, but this, I really love to get in there, but that I've said a few times, well, maybe tone this down a little bit, but I've said like, <laughs> you know, like I've said like, you, you know, they're like, Oh, I, you know, I just, uh, my, 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 my schedule, my schedule, mm. my schedule. And I go, look, I go, if I told you that Sophia Vergara was waiting for you in a hotel room downtown on Saturday, and your schedule wasn't looking so good, you'd fucking find a way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, don't, so, so don't like, don't tell me about your schedule. Yeah. And again, like if you don't, if you don't have that desire, like there is nothing wrong with that. I don't like to hear people say that they want to, but they can't mm. because like with very few exceptions, everybody can find a way. If I had somebody who was really talented and really hungry, like I would pay their registration uh, oh, if wow. they couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it to get into a competition, you know, like, Maybe we should edit that out. (laughs) 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 No, but that's like, that's, that's, that's like where my, where my, where my heart's at on it. Like it, it, it's, um, I feel like it's for the, for, for the right person, like competing Uh is really important, you know? Okay. So, so, um, just a takeaway from that, uh, John will fund your competition if Uh, you really, Right. And can I, I please leave this in? I, do, I just want to say again, like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to sound callous. Like I do understand that people, I do understand that people have like really, like really busy, busy schedules. I'm not trying to disrespect that at all. I'm just, I, you know where I'm coming from. I'm, I, I'm not going to be a jerk. I know where you're coming from because there's, there's the person who can't for whatever reason, like actually can't. And, and there are I, people who truly, like truly can't. I'm just saying yeah. like, I feel like it's overrepresented a little bit. That's all I'm saying. I think, I think I know what you're talking about and I don't want to make it look like they're cowardice. And again, I want to tone it down too, but I think I know what what you're talking about because they, they want to, but they're afraid. And the fear 
is is where they're coming up with all the excuses. It's just like, well, it's just like I want to, but uh, I don't want to lose. This is really what it is. It's not, oh, sure. but I don't have the money or I don't have the, the time or I don't have a car to get there. I don't have this. I don't have that. It That's all. I agree. It's all bullshit, you know, because if they wanted to, they'd be there, you know, and that'd be it. I, totally. No, I, I think I think that I think you make an outstanding point. Like, just imagine a scenario where the person has a crystal ball and they know that if they get in and they fight hard, like they're going to go four and zero, and they're going to be on the gold medal podium. Yeah. Like they, they're going to find a way, they're going to find a way to get there. You oh know yeah. what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're going to compete. Yeah. You know? they, they, they'd show up and be like, I'm, I'm here to get my medal. Yeah. You know, that, that would be and, the attitude. And I think that I actually like to that point, I think the best competitors in the world, they do feel that way. Yeah. You know, that's exactly how they feel. Then that's, that's, that's the attitude that you should have when it comes to like, competition right i mean it's just you should just yeah i'm here to get my medal yeah. you know yeah. you, you got to take yeah. it away from me but it's I've, my medal. I've, had, I've had students tell me um i've had students actually like it's sort of the reverse of what we were just talking about they, they've said to me like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna compete this weekend and then the next sentence out of their mouth is i know i'm probably not gonna do well and i'm like stop right there i go you're not competing you know mm. like that is not that is not a mindset like that that i will endorse going into a competition like you can't think or saying to yourself, I know, I know I'm probably not going to do well. That mm. is, that's not, that, that builds a terrible habit. You know, I, um, when I competed in the past, I, I always had the focus for like first place, but I didn't want to say anything cause I was so superstitious. I didn't want to say I'm going to win, you know, or I'm going to do this. That's, I don't want to, I think that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I, in fine. my head, I'm like, I want first place. I want, I want to win. I want to get my hand raised. I want to, you know, do whatever I'm going to win. But me personally, like, I wouldn't say, oh, well, I'm, I'm here to win. You know, I'm not, I think mm. for some people, I think, at least for me, I feel like it's a little disrespectful, you know, if I show up and I'd be like, I'm here to beat you, you know, it's a little arrogant, right? Like it if, might you come ver- up, if you, like, if you verbalize it, you mean? It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. That's you know, so, yeah, I wouldn't do that. So yeah. like, I, and I wouldn't say that, but I wouldn't even say that to my coach. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, you know, coach, I'm here to win. So. Just watch yeah. me, you know, I, I would never, and that's just me. Cause I feel, I feel like it's a little too much and then, you know, and again, but it, it goes back to what you're saying. Maybe, maybe, maybe I do have a problem with that. Maybe I, I'm like, well, maybe I don't want to say that I'm here to win because maybe I might lose, you know, and then I'm going to be eating crow afterwards, you know? Um, I, yeah. I'm, I'm with all that. I agree. But uh, I'm getting I'm getting the sense that I've completely railroaded us off of takedowns, by the way. No, no, this is all good because we're going <laughs> to okay. circle back to, to Nogi because I think this all is right. important. This is we've talked about this kind of stuff before, like mentality and stuff like that. But I think it's it's necessary because uh, especially when it comes to to takedowns, you have to be aggressive, right? You can't be passive. And if you're if you're passive at any part of this is, I think, especially when it comes to takedowns and throws, you're gonna you're gonna land on your head. You're gonna get thrown in the air. It's it's not it's not gonna be good for you. So like I think one of the, I think we spoke about mentality in the past, but I'm 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 glad that we're coming back to this a little bit because I think you have to think about these things, you know. And and I think part of what you're talking about, especially when it comes to the way you teach, especially uh, I I love the the way a lot of what you're doing. Going back to what you, uh, we were talking about before. Uh, you know, I think the the progressive training that you do, 
going from doing reps to 20% to 30%, 40%, and then going live, all that stuff, it, I think it's part of the mentality that you have for competing. I think, uh, and it's just kind of so ingrained in everything you do and in the training that you do. I think uh, there's no avoiding this conversation, you know? So okay. I think it's cool. Uh, I, I love hearing it every time you, you talk about it too. But so anyway, let's get back to Nogi throws and uh, oh, okay. takedowns. Let's talk about Nogi a little bit. Uh, and if we're being repetitive, that's fine. You could just say, hey, you know, we already said that. So I'm going to repeat some of these questions. But what are some of the strategies for getting a person to the ground with Nogi? We've already covered the equipment and stuff. What would be different when it comes to Nogi? I think um, just as it's clear that when you're wearing a gi, it seems that throws and a, and a judo style seems to favor that equipment and that attire. I think it's perfectly clear that wrestling is exactly what you need, no gi. Um, so I would just start by saying that. I think it's probably going to be obvious to most people. Yeah. Um, guys like John Donaher don't even like to call it wrestling, like wrestling for jujitsu. They just prefer instead and I, I agree with this to just just integrate that style of takedowns and just sort of like bring it under the umbrella of jiu-jitsu just call that brazilian jiu-jitsu if, if that makes sense so it's yeah. like not like we don't train wrestling and then jiu-jitsu this is the jiu-jitsu that we that we train this is the grappling we train it's like it's like very very takedown heavy um but I, it might take some 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 years to disentangle it from wrestling completely yeah. In, yeah the end, um, in the end, it's all grappling, right? So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a more athletic endeavor. It might be an oversimplification, but I'm ready to stand behind that statement. I, think, oh, I, think I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I mean, yeah. no gi in general. Uh, just because there's no nothing to slow you down. There's no there's no grips. There's no there's no drag because of the clothing. It's very yeah. slippery. It's it's a much more active, much more uh, aggressive game than no gi. Um, I, I, I tend to, I tend to agree. And I think that, I think when you watch college wrestling too, I, it's part of it is you're sort of beholden to the rules and the stalling calls, but it's, it's very, very, very fast paced. Yeah. I think, um, but I think, I think what you need no gi is you have to, you have to have good hand fighting, good head position. You need to be aware of angles and pressure. And again, you need two to three, strong setups and and takedown pathways i would also say that wrestlers what they what they struggle with even if it's no gi is they struggle with the transition from feet to floor when it comes to getting caught in submissions mm. um and not just neck stuff not just guillotine chokes but also now uh leg entanglements um if you shoot a single leg takedown and you bring that person's leg in between yours, they can execute what's what's known as Kani Basami or a, a flying scissor takedown, which is going to land them in the saddle position. And then you can get inside heel hooked without even knowing what the hell happened to you. Yeah. So so that that's a little, I would say that's the one learning curve for wrestlers is understanding how to go from the feet to the floor and then also wrestle themselves into a favorable position so that's actually something i kind of glossed over on the uh, gi questions but you kind of covered it in terms of flow but like uh but yeah like you want to land in a position that will continue 
to get you success, right? You want to land in, in such a way so that you know that you can get mount and then get choked or get a choke or uh, get side control, get a, you know, Kimura or whatever, whatever you're going to get, you know, yeah. you're going to land in a favorable position. It sounds like you already do that kind of stuff. Like you already have those plans set. And so like you, let's say again, going to, with the uh, blast double example, you're going to blast double. You know what you're going to end up in. You could possibly end up in someone's guard, but you're ready for that. You're going to pass the guard and then you're going to go into whatever other, you know, pinning position that's going to be favorable for you to win. Do you think about that stuff? And do you yeah. think about what happens when you fail? Uh, oh, good question. Uh, I'll cover the first one, but definitely put a little pin on that second one because that's really important. The first one, yeah. So, like, I think the double leg is a good example because I think it's there are a lot of ways that you can do it. There are ways that it's executed in wrestling that doesn't necessarily translate well to jujitsu because when you take down, when one wrestler takes another wrestler down in a wrestling match, the person who was taken down is going to turn to their stomach. They're not going to try to do guard. They're not going to try to get you in a submission. They're going to try to get back up to their feet or at least not get pinned. Yeah. So, when I teach people how to shoot a double leg in jujitsu, one of the things that I emphasize the most because it makes the takedown easier, but also because it keeps you out of guard is a really, really hard angle cut, a really hard cut around the corner. Mm. So if you shoot, if you shoot with, uh, for, with a right lead leg and your drop shot is your right knee between their legs, I always emphasize that as soon as your shoulder makes contact with their hips, as soon as you basically make impact, you need to be cutting a really hard angle around the left side and then getting to your feet and trying to run the double down. But mm. the emphasis being the emphasis being on the angle cut because the angle cut is going to save you both from guillotine chokes and then also the, from the person putting you in any sort of coherent guard position. It saves yes. you from both. Yes. Um, so yeah, I definitely think about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At, at least with the with the double leg option too. Like yes, for sure. Those are the things you have to watch out for. You're going to end up in the guard or in half guard. Or you're going to get guillotined, right? Those are the things you have to be careful when it comes to those. I like shooting doubles. I 100% agree with the angle cut that you're talking about. Also, like when I land, I try to keep the legs wrapped underneath me. And then I'm going to jump. If if their legs are anywhere near me, I'm going to jump out of whatever half guard guard position and get my legs to the other side. If they manage to get some kind of sure. guillotine choke, that is one good way to like avoid that because then my head is going to be on one side and my legs are going to be on the other because I've jumped out of whatever potential guard they may have. Sure. But also like the problem with that though is, uh, and, and I only know this because of experience, but some, some butthead that I used to train with would be like, Oh, that's fine. I'm just going to go, um, it's like a no the loop choke. choke? The, the loop choke. Oh, loop choke. Loop sure. choke. Yeah. Because if you if you get if they catch a loop choke on you and your legs on the other side, you're gonna get choked. You have to jump to the same side your head is on to avoid the loop choke. Seriously, yep, sure. So like, um, so I mean, there's there's always something, right? But yeah, absolutely, there's always something. But do you going with the failure part of this? Do you train in case of failure, or do you not like doing that because you don't want to put those thoughts in people's heads? What happens if this fails? So I, again, it's, it's really easy for me to talk about preparing people in the context of competition. Um, <clears throat> I do think you need to have, you need to have space for, um, cause you don't want, you don't want people to feel lost, say that they're, they're, 
their their game plan for a competition is to to shoot a double leg and you know wrestle the person down and it doesn't go the way they wanted it to go what then um i wouldn't like to phrase it as when it goes wrong i would instead phrase it as getting back on track because that gives people like a very positive pathway you know like okay we're going to get back on track like that's that's a more that's a much more positive way of framing for like shit it didn't go well and then you're like it didn't go well it's not going well i got scored on it's not going well and you're doing that you know what i mean yeah no that's good coaching on your part right as opposed as opposed to you get sprawled on or you're you end up in bottom half guard okay let's get back on track like this is like okay let's let's get back on track like let's so what do we do to get back on track we do a b c so you don't get in this like loop of beating yourself up after you've been scored on like you're all you're focused on is getting back on track and scoring mm-hmm. you know um so but yeah yeah I, I think that's i think it's important to have contingency plans yeah absolutely okay i like what you're saying there though uh because again it's it's about coaching I, we've talked about coaching in general like uh you don't say i'm doing it right now but like when you're when you're giving instruction to your one of your students you're not going to be like don't don't right. get your head don't put your head down you're right. going to get guillotine. Don't put your head down. That's not what you say. You say, get your watch, head out. Yeah. Like watch the triangle, watch the triangle, watch, watch the, And then it's, but, but then like when you yell at somebody, like watch the triangle, they get triangle. Like yeah. it, it always goes that way. Yeah. You know, instead, I mean, yeah, you give them something positive to do, you know, like you don't, you don't want, you don't want to like, you don't want to like cast like omens and like spells <laughs> on people. Watch the triangle. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You yeah. don't want to like do, do magic on your athlete like that. It, it's it, and it, it does work that way. Like it's when when you yell at somebody like don't let them score. Yeah. Like there, they're going to score. There's a, there's a real psychological component where like the, that person will score. You yeah. know. So instead, like so, if I have an athlete like who's up on points, like say it, say they're up two to zero, and there's thirty seconds left on the clock. My favorite thing to yell is keep attacking, mm. keep attacking. You know, like that, as opposed to like, you know, like, don't let them get up. Like, don't let them sweep you. You know, you got to keep tight. Just just keep attacking because they know they know what that means. You know, and it it puts a positive picture in their head where they know what it means when they're attacking well, you know, so so keep attacking. I think that's very important. It's absolutely because like we're saying before, like, you know, don't let them score. All you're thinking about is scoring now, but you're not thinking about oh, what should I be doing next? You, you're not giving them any instructions. You're just, you're just making them think about the thing they, sh- they don't want to happen. That's and, it. Yeah, and so um, framing what you're saying, it's all part of good coaching. Like that just shows how good you are at, at what you're doing. So I, I think we already talked about it a little bit. So it, it sounds like just in general, your game plan for no-gi is you prefer a takedown heavy game when it comes to no-gi versus oh, a no. throwing. No, oh, oh a throw, as opposed to a throwing game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the th- the throws like there are some really nice throws that can be modified um, for no gi. If we're talking about the classic major judo throws, the uchimada, the the ipon sewe, the uh, the haragoshi, there are versions of these throws that exist in wrestling, but mm-hmm. they're but they're lo- they're lower percentage than a lot of the other things you can do. Single leg. Um, double leg body lock, you know, um, I, I love, uh, snap I love, downs. I love the, like when it comes to wrestling, I mean, I'm like you, I, I will, sh- I would shoot 
depending on how big the guy is. If I'm a heavyweight, I'm not shooting on anybody. <laughs> I'm not getting I'm not getting sprawled on by 300 pound dude. But if I'm gonna throw someone, uh, my favorite thing to throw would be a headlock hip toss, or mm, sure. uh, I'll go with a wizard sometimes, or just a straight up. I can't remember what it's called, but it's just a oh vertical drop. I go to vertical drop all the time. Sure, sure. You sure. know, like those those things work nicely for me, uh, especially like if if they tie up with me and I get a good bear hug, I can get over and under and then go for that that vertical drop yeah i don't think you have to have a like uh if your game plan is to like get on top with with some type of two-point scoring takedown i don't think that you have to have a really like folk style wrestling style of like where you're shooting like drop shot double legs and single legs like i don't think you i don't think you have to have that kind of game i think one of I, i think the clinch snap downs and then various body lock throws are mm. are very slept on. I think they're often characterized as like an older man's game, which I'm a, I'll sign off on that. You know, that's I'm fine. an old man. I, those are those are my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, but I do. I mean, I have like I have like a, I've been drilling like a, a really nice high crotch that I that I've got some confidence in. But sometimes, like just out clinching some someone is just it's so effective. Mm. Um, and, and, and safe, relatively speaking, it's, it's, it's low risk, high reward, you know? Um, so, you know, there, there's that, you've got the throws, you've got sort of the folk style wrestling, what, you know, what you see in high school where people are shooting, and then you've got really more what you see in like, uh, you know, uh, like freestyle, you know, where people are, 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 you know, going for like, like, yeah, yeah. Upper body stuff, back exposure, you know, roll throughs, that type of thing. Um. Yeah. So there's almost three ways to look at that. Yeah. Obviously I wrestled in high school, but like, I love the headlock hip toss because you will land in a farmer's choke. Yeah. And sure. so long as you're careful, you know, you'll get your back taken. The farmer's choke can be a real pain in the ass. You know, can you, can you, can you, I might know that by a different name. Farmer's choke. Farmer's choke. Just the, the Hong Kozakatami. Oh yeah, sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you land in that farmer's choke or the Hong Kozakatami or the <laughs> folk style headlock. Who was uh Dean Lister got, Got submitted by what's his name with the farmer's choke? Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett, yeah. right? So like yeah. that's a it's a legit choke. You just got to know it's, how to throw it on. It's a it's a legit choke, given uh given like as long as you're able to have like put put a certain amount of weight behind it. I mean, I've got some like rooster weights that aren't going to make that work. But we we have a ton of guys at my gym. We call it the scarf hold position. Oh, the scarf hold. Um, yeah. But we we've got a ton of guys who will actively seek that from say like top side control like they will allow the person on the bottom to get the underhook and then they'll they'll punch through grab the head and go to scarf it's pretty interesting uh this uh this woman eastern european lady she would throw on the farmer's joke and she was pretty freaking damn good with it man uh sure sure i couldn't get out from under she wasn't going to choke me but i couldn't breathe either so like yeah, it's it was, horrible it's horrible and it's, i couldn't get her off yeah. me you know like yeah. i i remember i sat there i think for a good you know a good round trying to get out i'm like i should just tap like what's the point i'm wasting time here she's she's got me you know it's, it's a it's a it's a devastating position if you can dominate the the bottom side arm like with that tricep grip it's almost, I mean, it's, you know, nothing's inescapable. It's, it's tough. It's tough down there. Yeah, it is. It's, especially if they're, you know, freakishly strong or just really good at holding on. That always helps. Yeah, that always helps. 
So, um, so again, uh, we'll revisit the question with the Nogi. What do you do? The whistle blows. What's the first thing you do? You go for a blast yeah. double. You, you, what, yeah. what, what do you recommend your competitors do? Man, I mean, I, I feel like my answers really suck. Like in terms of like entertainment value, <laughs> it's just, it's just, I like people to understand like basic hand fighting head position and then like clinch fundamentals. Mm. And then based on their actual attributes um hopefully over the course of like whatever competition prep they had they're going to find two to three setups and pathways that they can go down and, and get a takedown just so i can make this a little more entertaining i'll i'll you know i'll, I'll, I'll sort of reveal one, uh, you know like something that, that that i like a lot i think that for especially for people who are a little newer to takedowns it doesn't seem intuitive for people who are a little older to like learn how to shoot and learn how to wrestle. Like when I'm teaching this to like people who are in their, like even in their mid twenties, like early thirties, like teaching people how to shoot who never had a wrestling background, it's tough. Mm. So through teaching people how to wrestle well, one thing I've discovered is like two on ones from standing are easy to teach people because it's just like a very gross motor movement. Like it's, it's not, there's nothing fine about it. It's easy to learn. It's easy to teach. Um, so I, I really like to work off of, uh, various like two-on-one grips, specifically like arm drag grips. Um, so after I've done my due diligence with good tight elbows, good hand position, good head position, and then good clinch fundamentals, I typically will try to find my way to, um, you know, to like a two-on-one, uh, grip. I like the uh, arm drag to the arm drag to trip which will put me like on a, like an easy single leg. Hmm. And then if I ever get anybody leaning into me too hard, I, I have a pretty, a pretty good uh, snap down. And then I've got like a whole front headlock series that I'll work a lot. Hmm. Um, but again, like I think the emphasis just needs to be on like, not unless you're an outstanding competitor already, I would just never recommend that anybody just go in and like improv it. You know hmm. what I mean? Like you, I really want people to like know what they want. So, oh, that that speaks for a person in any in any arena, whether whether it's like life or jujitsu, you should know what you want, right? No, no, like yeah, like understand like understand like what your what your goals are, but then also like how you're going to get there, like how you're going to achieve those goals, and like that is something that I actually don't think is as common as it should be. Like not only in grappling, but like also in life. You know, yeah. people be like, people be like, oh, I want to win the world. It's like, well, how are you going to do that? You're like, well, you know, I'm going to like, I'm going to like drill a lot. I think it's a really important skill to like be able to, 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 to lay out like you've got this end goal. And then what are all the incremental steps between where you are and like achieving that goal? Like that should be something that is taught in high school, you know, yeah. like just that, 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 like that skill. And it's not, no, it's not, it's, it's not a, it's not a skill that, that anybody is, it's not a skill that's well taught anywhere. Like I, I mean, I work with some people who have no concept of this kind of thing and they're like, you know, people high up in the ranks, you know, like, how did you get here? How did you get here? You don't know how you got here and you don't know where you're going. You know, like yeah. and that, that affects, that's a, a strategy that you should be employing in every aspect of your life. But let me go back to pieces of, of control while you're standing. You mentioned, you mentioned grip fighting already, and you've mm -hmm. kind of uh, explained that a little bit in terms of uh, arm drags and two-on-ones and all that. 
I, I never thought about head position when it comes to standing and clinching. Like in, in my head, it, I don't even think about it. I don't know if, if it needs to be, I don't know if I'm doing anything wrong now that you mentioned this, but I never thought about it. Head position. I get in a clinch, right? A wrestler's clinch or a tie-up. I put my hand on the back of his head. He's got the hand on the back of my head. I put my, basically I put my, my head, you know, on his, on his shoulder, or shoulder. sometimes I'll take, exactly. I'll take the top of yeah. my face or top of my head. And this is a little sneaky thing I like doing. I'll shave my head nice and short, sure. but I have a little stubble and then I'll just <laughs> grind my face into the guy's, you know, my head into his face, you know, just to like make it annoying and to maybe prop him up, you know, stand him up and maybe shoot and stuff. But that's, the extent of my head positioning there might be more that i don't i'm not thinking about but like there's stuff like that is there is there something else that i should be thinking about when it comes to this stuff i i, one of the, I think one of the best the best ways you can you can think about the head positioning is imagine that you're you're forehead to forehead with someone like you know you're bent over like in a wrestling stance you're forehead mm -hmm. to forehead but now put your hands behind your back and then your opponent puts his hands behind his back so you're forehead to forehead and you have no other mechanism of control. So then imagine that you have to create like, you have to create like a, a good angle off of this. This is like a wrestling drill. Mm. Um, so what you would do is you would basically use your forehead and you would kind of, you would push their head out of the way where your forehead is now in their jaw. So mm. you've created a perfectly perpendicular angle where you're looking down at their entire body. And then conceivably they're looking at like an open room. They can't even see you. Yeah. You know, like that, that's, that's a useful drill, but it's only useful if you then bring it into the rest of your clinch game, where as you're doing everything you're supposed to do with your feet, your elbows and your hands, you're also constantly trying to make the person look away from you with your head. Mm. And that's, that's going to open up the, you know, that's going to open up uh, good angles for a shot. It's going to make the person off balance. It's going to open up the near side leg to the point where you can literally, if you're good enough at it, you can just reach down and just pick their leg up because they can't take it away from you given given the angle yeah you know? yeah well i mean if like what you're what you're talking about you're you're pushing their head up they're they're straightening up a little bit right so they they're exposing their lower body so you can you know grab the leg or you can do all these things that you're talking about uh one thing i would do uh would be i get my head like i was telling you like on you know like under their chin and i would push oh, yeah, them good. up okay I would, I would push them up they would straighten out they can't help it and it always seemed like such a silly, easy thing for me to do. Like, why aren't you guys defending this? You know, but it was always like, you know, I did it in high school all the time. I just get my head under the guy's head, put my, my, the top of my head under his chin, straighten him out, his body, he stands up. And then I just grab him in a bear hug and just drop him. You know, it was yeah, like, I mean, yeah, using it, using your head. Um, I mean, in all of grappling, I think is, is a really important skill. Maybe, maybe not enough people are doing it, but yeah, as you, as you pass the guard, um, you know, as you pressure into people, as you're wrestling on your feet, like, I mean, your, your, your head is basically like a third limb you could use. And if I, again, it's like that, it's like that neutral grips in the gi thing. When I see two people locked on like a couple of bulls, it's the same thing in the wrestling clinch. If I have a collar tie and you have a collar tie and like, you've got an elbow and I've got an elbow and then both of our foreheads are on each other's shoulders nobody's winning yeah so it's like somebody needs to make a move to upgrade their position because otherwise like what are we doing yeah i just feel like wrestling though is a lot easier to to make shit happen 
I, I maybe it's just because I'm more comfortable with wrestling and and just the that, takedowns and stuff. That might that might be. I don't think a lot of people feel that way. I I, I feel like like if you clinch with me, you're gonna get thrown, and if mm. you don't clinch with me, I'm gonna take you down, um, or I'm gonna attempt a, a takedown. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I'm an old man. If if I shoot the takedown and it doesn't work, and you sprawl on me, I'm fucked. You know, like I, my back is not gonna hold up with with another guy my size sprawling on my ass you know i just and it's not me being humble or anything weird i'm 46 years old my back is bad somebody sprawls on me i'm flattening out you know i know i get it i get it yeah, yeah. but like but like if you tie up with me i feel pretty good about my wrestling clinch game that i'm going to get some kind of throw one of the ones that i mentioned you know uh vertical drop you know headlock hip toss headlock hip toss is probably what i'll go for but okay. if it doesn't work i'll usually you know switch out to something else get a little tricky maybe fuck with your feet a little bit but then you know headlock hip toss or uh or a wizard but i think it's uh, cool that you that you've got that you've got that that kind of confidence uh in that part of your game because i, I can definitely tell you that Especially, especially when making the transition from gi to no gi, which people often do like a little later, like six months to a year in. Yeah, yeah, they they, they feel they feel lost, you know. Mm. Um, so no, I I don't think that that's necessary. I mean, it's probably common for like wrestlers, which you know you've got you've got the wrestling back from background from high school. I think that's a great attribute to have, like that kind of confidence on your feet, mm. because you get to decide who's on top. Yeah, you know, like you can if you want to be on the bottom, you can pull guard. But if you don't want to be on the bottom, then you, like I said, you, you get to dictate where it goes, which is just, that's a major psychological win right out of the gate. You know, if you look at it from the other side and you're a person who's got very poor takedowns and you're going into a competition, you know, somewhere in your head that you don't necessarily get to decide where the match takes place. And that that's going to make you more nervous. It's going to make you more tense. And it's going to make you second guess whatever it is that you went in there to, to, to do. Hmm. I never thought about that. That's amazing. Cause uh, if you think about it just in terms of, again, not to get like, you know, philosophical, but if you think about that in terms of life too, like, like uh, if you have an exposure in whatever part of your career, something that you said really sticks out to me, you don't get to dictate what happens because yeah, of right. that lacking that you have. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I always feel like the easiest way to illustrate my point is like through the competitive lens. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, you you can look at that like in any kind of position that, that you're in. If you don't have like the skill set or the attributes or like something to offer, you're basically at the mercy of somebody else. That analogy works, I guess, everywhere. You know. Yeah. So we talked about this with the with the gi. What do you do again with the no gi when the guy won't go down? Do you just pull guard and and try to be? aggressive yeah. with your guard pulling and try to like maybe get a sweep while you're pulling guard yeah training training room i will not even if like i'm trying to like be competitive that day and i'm not trying to be competitive every day but if i am trying to be competitive that day and like sort of win the round against a student or a training partner after two or three minutes are burned off the clock and, and you know it, it's sort of a stubborn ugly wrestling match on the feet. Yeah, I'll absolutely pull guard just mm. to, just to kind of get things moving a little bit. Um, what I would say is I think Nogi is there, there are, there are some offenses in terms of guard pulling Nogi that are just so egregious that you don't necessarily get in the Nogi. In the Nogi, you've got the sleeve grip, you've got the collar grip. People have some sort of understanding of how to make a connection 
and sit in the way where they can give the person on top trouble. I see the most just garbage guard poles, no gi, to where it's like you've wasted an opportunity for a good connection to your opponent and a good uh, you know load up or a good off balance thing by just sitting very poorly. Mm. Um, I look at guard poles, both gi and no gi, the same way that I look at takedowns. They should be set up properly. Just like you would, like, I would never slap, bump, get into a stance and just shoot a double. Would never do that. I would also never slap, bump, grip, and pull. I would never do that. Um, You should set up every guard pull with the exact same diligence that you would set up a takedown. Um, Because otherwise, like, these guys who are, like, adept passers, they will just they will just sidestep what, you know, whatever guard you try to throw at them, especially no gi. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, it really needs to be set up. So anyway, one thing I look for, if, if, if I do want to pull guard, no gi again, goes back to that strong two on one grip um, because it gives me a really solid connection to the person on top to where I can actually not just sit, but I can sit, in a way where I pull them on top and over my body and I can start to load them up, you know, uh, butterfly guards, single leg X, leg lock entries, or uh, I can, you know, you could even p- pull them in the closed. Um, but the idea that you would just like, you know, like kind of grab somebody's head and just like kind of sit down with like no, no plan. You know, you see, I see this a lot in the training room and um, yeah, but I feel like, I feel like guard pulling I shit on it a lot at my gym, mostly tongue in cheek. You know, I don't really mean it, but it's, there's, there's like, it's a real, to be able to be a good guard puller is a real skill. Mm. And, um, you should have, you should have grip sets, approaches and setups the exact same way that you would for takedowns. It shouldn't be any different. That's amazing. Cause I never thought about that. I never thought about, I just like, fuck it. I can't get a throw. I can't get anything. I'm just going to sit, you know? Uh, and sure, I never, sure. I never thought about. Okay, yeah, you know, I think about the rules, right? You don't want to, you you don't want to like uh, give the guy your foot, then he gets a point or whatever. But you also don't want to get disqualified, depending on the rule set or whatever. Right, I just, right, right. Like yeah. in my head, I I'm thinking, okay, I have no choice. I'm gonna sit. I'm gonna pull guard, right? Which is okay. Yeah. Which is okay, sure. but I like what you're talking about because you're talking about, okay, yeah, you don't have an option. You can't get a takedown or or, or throw or whatever. But you're you're still you're taking what most people consider a passive uh, position, but you're making it aggressive because you're not you're not yes. just sitting. You're, 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 yeah. You have a plan. You have a plan for every aspect of the game on the feet and, or in, in general. But I never even thought about that, man. I, I can't believe I haven't thought about it. You know, I, I have. Yeah, yeah, it should be it should be assertive. Um, and the reason it should I mean just like in the training room, I train with guys where if you it goes without saying like. If you shoot a shitty shot, if you do a bad shot, you know what happens. You're going to get choked. You're going to get your back taken or you're going to get smushed and get your guard passed. But people like, I don't think they often consider like what happens if you pull guard poorly, you know, and the effect can be every bit as bad. It can be just as bad. Well, I think the, the general thought, and this is me now realizing that I never had a plan when I pull guard, if I pull guard, but I, you know, when I pull guard, my thoughts are like, fuck, you know, I got no choice. I'm going to put this guy in my guard. And in, and in that case, I'm thinking, well, I'll just go into the sequence of things that I have, 
but I'm, I don't even set it up, you know, like I'm just going to pull yeah. him into my guard. And then like, if I don't have, if I don't do a good job, I'm trying to pull this guy and, and lock the guard up. Right. So and it's I'm trying, awkward and it's, yeah, right. And it's yeah. a pain in the ass. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never, never, ever thought about that. Yeah. When I, so we've got, we've got a handful of black belts in my school and then in some of them in particular, if you, if you fuck up your guard pull, like if you decide that it's to the point where I don't want to fight for the takedown with these guys anymore and I want to pull guard, if you don't step that through correctly and you don't pull well, um, the match is over. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're inside control and then they're, they're, they're smushing you or worse. Um, so if I, if I know I'm going to pull, I often like will sort of like go, okay, like change gears here and pull. I'm still very much trying to look like I'm trying to take you down. I'm still going to like, I'm still going to faint. Uh, I'm still going to snap. I'm still going to pull. I'm still going to push. I'm still going to circle. And I'm even going to show you a few guard, a few fake guard pulls before I pull. So like my left foot is the one that'll usually go to the hip. So I'll snap, pull, circle, push, snap, show you the bottom of my left foot, put it back down, snap, pull, circle, push, show you the left, bottom of my left foot again. And then, you know, by the second or third go around with this, they don't know which guard pole is going to be the real one or, yeah. or if you're going to end up shooting the takedown or going for a drag to trip or what. And so when the guard pole does come, they don't, they don't have the, the, the luxury of reacting to it the same way as they would when like your average Joe comes in and raises their leg to put it on the hip and then they're, they, they blow right by. Mm. Like it's it's set up it's fainted it's you know you've made them second and third guess themselves and then you pull aggressively into a good position and you start attacking immediately that's how you should pull guard dude that's fantastic that's fucking fantastic i mean you're essentially kind of peppering them with all kinds of fakes and feints it's exactly right. what you would do if you were boxing or kickboxing you throw the jab you fake the jab you don't throw the jab you throw the you know or three, wrestling four chip. or wrestling yeah you right. there's chain wrestling too right you yeah. you 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 shoot uh, a single leg with the intention of actually doing something else and coming up and getting a body you know uh, a, a body lock or a bear hug and etc you know like that's that's amazing the guard pulling is an art form i mean yeah. Again, like I, there are probably people listening to this podcast, like laughing because of, like how brutal I am, like some of the guard pullers, you know, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, it really is like, like if I'm going to pull guard against like certain people, I, it has to be perfect. Yeah. Otherwise, like it, it's, it's just not going to go well, you know? Yeah. And guard pulling has, has gotten a bad rap, right? Because I mean, we've all seen the competitions, the YouTube videos, et cetera, where mm -hmm. people just basically sit in the middle of the fucking of the mat and then right. scoot their ass over to you it, it's it's like uh no that's that's not jujitsu that's just ridiculous you know it's and this, and this is even like more egregious under like certain rule sets like the no time limit submission only rule set mm -hmm. I, I i just want to go on record right now that i think that rule set sucks like i hate ebi rules i hate no time limit submission only mm. um i for whatever reason, like, I feel like a, a big chunk of the jujitsu community has, has like really wanted to move away from points. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I, I hate a lot of the new rule sets that have emerged with, with the, uh, with the exception of like, like the way that fight to win pro was doing it like pre pandemic where basically it was like, 
a seven, eight or a 10 minute match. And like three judges basically just decided, you know, like who, who grappled better. Like that's, it's, it's totally subjective, Uh but like, they were like, who went for more submissions, who generally had better position, who pushed the pace. Like, I think that was perfect. That was a perfect rule set. This thing where we like put 20 minutes on the clock and then like both of us sort of kind of fuck around for, for 18 minutes and then we go crazy in the last two minutes like i just i hate it man i really it's so boring (laughs) i um i've competed in those i thought they were great but uh i uh i will admit to i competed in a no no time limit one and there is a time limit i mean it's it's (laughs) right 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 yeah yeah, there is a time and it's just it i believe the limit was 20 minutes right so i rolled with this guy for 20 minutes Right. And, and the only way to win is by submission. Right. So right, right. Uh, in this particular co- competition that I'm thinking about, I, I was rolling with this guy. I couldn't get him. I was I wasn't stalling. I was trying to beat this guy and I was going for the submission the whole time. That's what I wanted. But it wasn't happening for whatever reason. Maybe we were too equally matched. Maybe he was stalling. I don't remember anymore. But uh, but then there's a. Uh, sudden death at least at this particular match so you would get put in a uh, a compromising position where they have like either a choke or an arm bar right, right, right and you sure. have to you have to fight for that position um mm. i thought that was interesting it was fun it was fun i'm not saying it's not interesting and it yeah. can't it can't be fun but like i feel like the more these rule sets gain traction and emerge the the worse and worse and worse you're going to see brazilian jiu-jitsu uh executed in like mma yeah. Um, and for me, again, growing up with like the, the coming up with the roots that we came up with, you know, with the Deanna brothers and like how, how MMA and self-defense oriented they were like, that's not the, the future that I, I, I really like want for jujitsu. Um, mm-hmm. I just think like with, with these like long format submission only uh, uh, style matches, there's no incentive for like, there, there are no incentive for like certain dominant positions not all but like certain dominant positions there's no incentive for mount yeah um there's no like you know there's there's definitely some incentive for back control but there's really no incentive for like side control because guys are just so good at escaping side control and then you can get tangled up in their legs and so like what's going to happen like that that's just i just feel like if that's the way that jujitsu leans you know sort of away from positional domination and then like toward these like really long drawn out uh, like, you know, matches toward, toward, towards submission only. I, I just feel like, I feel like jujitsu is just going to suck more and more for MMA. And I, and I really, I really don't want to see that. I 100% agree with you, man. I, I, I didn't realize what you were, what you were getting at. Now I know. Yes. I don't like the evolution of jujitsu um, in terms of like sports jujitsu and then actual applicable self-defense jujitsu. Cause uh, uh, positional dominance is important, especially in a, in a, in a self-defense situation. And I think we spoke about this before, like, you know, I, I'm not planning on, you know, going anywhere scary and getting mugged, you know, and right, where right, I would sure. have to like self-defense myself, you know, out of like some situation. But, uh, but you know, what are we training? Are we training some kind of sport or are we training a martial art, you know? And, uh, if someone's throwing punches, and you're mounted, you don't want to be mounted, right? And positional dominance yeah. is is something that's 
that's in favor of the person that's throwing the punches. If he's mounted, he's going to punch you and he's going to be effective with those punches. Having good jujitsu will help you get out of that, right? But, you know, butt scooting and all these other things that we're talking about where jujitsu is kind of de-evolving a little bit. And I don't know if devolving is is the right word, but that might be it, a it, little it, critical. It, I think it depends. Like, I think the mount, the, the mount position thing illustrates my point really well. So if I were, if I was in like a no time limit submission only format against, against certain guys with certain styles, like I would be very hesitant to mount given that I can't punch the person. I can't elbow the person it, to coerce them into turning to give me the back. Um, and it's, it's hard to submit people say no gi. Mm-hmm. But then the biggest thing is I've just given the person double inside leg position under these conditions to where it's really like quite possible for them to bridge and then enter a, like a very strong leg entanglement. So under the new jujitsu rule sets, like you, you know, if you're in a no gi submission, only no time limit in a match, like your incentive to mount and control the mount. Well, like drops, like there's, there's just not that much incentive. Yeah. Whereas like, if you could, it, whereas I, like I said, I love MMA. Like I've always, I've always been a huge MMA fan. I want to see like jujitsu in MMA. I want to see like, you know, I want to see more of it, but like, mm-hmm. it's just, if that, if that's like, if that's the habit that we're training, we're training people, we're training people on the bottom to not worry so much about being mounted. And we're, we're training people on top to not have a strong incentive to take them out. I don't want to, I don't want to use the word like devolving. Like I understand you kind of pull away from that word a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't want to use that. Cause I think, I think jujitsu is doing really awesome things right now too, but, yeah. but there, there's something, there's something that's misaligned there. Um, which, I, which is why I think you sh- should get four points, you know, f- for the mount. Um, it should be scored accordingly. And then after you get those four points, if the person can still get you in a strong like leg entanglement and submit you, then like, that's how that is. You know, yeah, but I don't, I, but I don't like removing the um, point incentives for dominant positions because they really do matter, or no, they should it, matter. They no, they 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 really do matter. I see. I don't know what else can you, you like. No matter how hard you try to make the rules uh, something that that would honor jujitsu or honor the the roots of self defense, someone's gonna figure out. Oh, here's a hole. I'm gonna try to you know manipulate the way I do my game and, and poke through that hole and, and do something weird. You know, there's always going to be someone trying to hack the system. I, I don't know how you avoid that other than maybe again, like yourself being a good coach and being like, no, uh, you want the mount, you want these positions, you want these dominant positions, you want these pinning positions that are going to get you points and that are going to, and, and that that lives in the spirit of self-defense because if you get mounted on the street by some, some dummy, you know, who doesn't know anything, but you, you feel comfortable getting mounted and all he knows how to do is, is smash and, and punch. Uh, you're going to get jacked. You make, maybe your jujitsu is good enough to get out from under, you know, this 300 pound monster, but you're right. going to get jacked in the process when you can just be aggressive and do what a lot of these, who was it? Uh, Ryan Hall. There's a famous yeah, right. Ryan Hall video where he's at a diner and some guy keeps fucking with him. And yeah, eventually yeah, he just it. took him down and yeah. all he did is sat on this guy, right. you know, and yeah. that should happen every single, in every single scenario. There should never be a situation where a jujitsu guy gets sat on because he's comfortable being on his back and then gets punched into oblivion. 
Like it should all be like Ryan Hall, where Ryan Hall is like sitting on this guy and he just slaps him a few times, the guy turns his back and he just holds on to him until the cop shows up, right? Right. Yeah. Or sure. did he choke him out? I can't remember. I don't um as I recall, the video was kind of chopped up, like it was sort of like edited. Like mm. it, it, it was like jump cuts. Like I, I don't really remember. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean like so again, like for me, like I, I guess it goes to like a like a like a bigger question which is like what is the ideal rule set for brazilian jiu-jitsu to like thrive in the best way that it can and like like i said for me it's it's i think like 10 minutes is is too long you know like you see this at like adult black belt like i just think it's too long i think five minutes is too short Mm. i think somewhere somewhere in the range of seven to eight minutes it seems to be a perfect match length you know um and again, like if you don't want to do points, like I understand that that system can 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 sort of be gamed. Like I really really liked what Fight to Win Pro did. I think they're still doing it. They may have modified something, but basically what it was is like you have, you have a let's see you have an eight minute match, and there are three black belts just watching the match and just subjectively deciding like who's who's pushing the pace. Who's dominating the position? Who's the closest to finishing the match via submission? And then we sort of like put these put these factors into a soup and we decide who a winner is. Like to me, I I get that that's maybe not perfect, but to me there was like something so pure about that because like I never saw a fight to win pro decision that I didn't agree with. Mm. Like you can watch two guys go at it unless it's really fucking close. Like you can watch two people go at it and be like. You, be, you can be like, you know, I didn't score it. I, I, I don't, you know, I couldn't exactly tally it up, but like person A, like they, you know, they got it done, you know? Yeah. Um, to me, there was something like really, like really pure about that. So, and, and then obviously if somebody gets a submission, well, like that, that decides it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, 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 I really, I really like that rule set. It bums me out that they're not traveling the country the same way that they were before, you know, I didn't realize um, that they're not traveling the no, country anymore. No, I mean, I think they're mostly relegated to, to Texas. I think Texas right now, they're, they're running most of their events there. Mm. Uh, I think they just realized like, Hey, we don't like, we don't have to like cart our asses, uh, you know, all, all over the U S like, like people will come to us. Like we can just stay here. Yeah. Which I mean, they're right. You know, it's still happening. So yeah. the, I don't know if the rules are still, like this but remember when they had the 50 50 rules and if like one guy comes up and he gets the advantage or the point or whatever and then yeah, the other guy sure. comes up and he sure. gets the the point and the advantage and it's just like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> yeah you know? yeah 50 50 can be a true like a true stalemate sometimes less so now with with the introduction of leg locks like i think you should be able to heel hook in the gi i think it should be the exact same rules gi and no gi and that would that would basically resolve like every funky rules issue that the IBJJF has. I mean, the IBJJF, like they take a lot of heat for like how goofy their gi rules are. It uh-huh. fixed the no gi, right? Yeah. It fixed the no gi. They, they made everything legal essentially. But like, I really don't understand like why the rules are so, I, I'll have my athletes be like, you know, like one of my students would be like, you know, if I go to an IBJJF, like is this leg position legal? And they'll be doing like a false reap into the saddle but they're controlling the secondary leg. And I'm just like, I think that's okay. (laughs) But the the problem is like, if you get the wrong ref and some of those refs are horrible, 
uh-huh. those events. Some of them are great, uh-huh. but some of them are so bad. If you get the wrong ref, like you could be doing the right thing, you could be following the rules, but if you get the wrong ref who just hasn't read the latest rule book update, you're going home. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you're, you're going to get DQ'd. And so like, I can't, I can't even make good recommendations as a coach necessarily. So like, yeah, I think, I just think they should be, I think you should be able to reap. I think you should be able to heel hook. I think you should be able to do all that stuff. Uh, gi and no gi. Wow, dude. Like gi in, in the yeah. gi, you want to, you want to be able to reap and, and heel hook. Cause I mean, there's I no do. drag. I yeah. mean, there's, there's drag. There's no drag when you're uh, in no gi. So you can right. slip out of stuff. Right. But like you want to, you want to put, you want to put people's legs in danger and, and uh, not be, not have them have the ability to slip out. They're going to get caught. They're going to. Right. But, but like nobody's saying that about arm locks. You know well, that's I mean? true. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Why is it? Why is it that we're so afraid? I'm glad you're talking about leg locks. Um, I, I love, I love them. I love them too. I wish I knew them better, but I love, I love the few that I, that I, that I throw on people because, because I train in gi a lot. I just go for a straight full lock. Um, uh, that's that's my thing. That that's I'll great. go I'll go into all the different leg entanglements, but I don't do any of the reaping, and mm-hmm. it and yeah. I'm and I'm stuck to just the uh, the regular foot lock. And especially with some of the people that I roll with, I'm like I don't know if you're gonna roll the wrong way if I throw a heel hook on you and you're gonna fucking break your own leg. You know, like it's fair. Yeah, sure. So so for the most part, I feel like especially if I don't know the person very well or or I know their their level, they're not they may not react uh, correctly. I just usually just default to a straight full lock. But uh, I, I wasn't going to ask these questions, but since you brought up leg locks, <laughs> um, what do you do in terms of what are what are some of the principles that you um, kind of install in your students to make sure that nobody gets hurt while training leg locks or leg locks? Um, I, 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 it, that's an easy one. It's just the same principles that we instill for everything else. I think if the most impressive thing to me is, is a student who can catch any submission and give the person who they are submitting and controlling like a slow three count, mm. you know, like I, I mean, I do that for spider web. Like if I get spider web and I hit an arm lock, um, even if I really want to beat the person I'm going against, even if I'm feeling really competitive, like I am not going to give them any less than three seconds to, um, to either try to escape or tap and people do escape, you know, mm-hmm. which, and, and it's like, and then you're like, Oh, well they're, but they're escaping. It's like, who gives a shit? We're yeah. training. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, I, I have, I've straight up broken a person's arm at a tournament. And like, there's a time and a place for that. Like if you, like, if you, if they don't want to tap and you catch a submission, Peter always said like, it's on you to keep yourself safe. And if you don't want to tap, or you don't want to tap fast enough in like a highly competitive environment, like that's on you. Yeah. But like when I'm training with my students and like my, the other black belts, like if I catch a sub, like I don't care how bad I want to tap you. Like you're going to, you're going to get a one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi to either tap on me or get out. Mm. Um, even though people are not good at like taking this advice, I recommend that to, to everybody. You know, when I see somebody catch a submission and then, consciously try to give a person a three count and then they lose the submission i'm like that's impressive like it's impressive to have that type of self-control you know yeah i think that takes a little time um, oh be- yeah for sure because that's not something a, a newer student will be able to do but i have been in a situation oh, for oh just recently I, I threw some i threw a 
you know, toehold on someone. And he wasn't tapping. And I'm like, come on, man, just tap. You know, like, I got this. I got this. It's the dead rights. And I'm like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. And I let it go. Like, you, what do you want to do? You want to be the asshole at at the gym that that breaks people's feet? Or do you want to just, you know, you want to keep your your partners, you know? I I think there's a lot of ways you could approach that. Like, like some people, like, legitimately have a very odd range of motion in those positions. Mm -hmm. Like, I have no problem asking, like, are you, like, I'll be, like, I'll be in it. And I'll be like, are you good? And sometimes people are like, yeah, I just been really weird this way. And as it turns out, like, I'm nowhere close to tapping them out. Like, for real. You know? Like, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? That's, yeah. I'm sure that's true of a lot of people. I still don't trust it. Like, you know, like, oh, sure. like you see, I've seen people like, like I'll be Not bending really slowly and they're like, yeah. why are you so rubbery? Right. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it's this. It's weird. I'm like, fuck yeah. this. I'm letting it go because I don't know if you're just, you're super flexible and, and this is actually for real or are you just really being really proud and you're really pushing the limit of your flexibility? You know, I let it one go. Thing I'll, one thing I'll say is like, I almost ex- like the competitors I'm thinking about right now, like of all the competitors at my gym, I don't think any of them take submissions too fast or treat the training room like, like a life or death competition in that, like, you know what I mean? Like, because like for them, like the competition is the competition. The training room isn't the competition. Yeah. You know, for people where it's like the training room is the competition. Those people hurt people. You yeah, know what I mean? like that, like that, like I feel like those people are riskier. Yeah, if if that makes sense. No, I I absolutely know what you're talking about because I think I was that guy. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you yeah. ankle biting motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Someone <laughs> stuck their foot in my mouth <laughs> while I was clenching my teeth. But anyway, oh, uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, um. Yeah, I, I, I was that guy. I mean, I was, you know, not that I hurt people, but like, I, you know, I didn't want to lose, you know, I don't like losing, you know, and even if I'm, yeah. even if it's training, I, I, I can't lose, you know, I, I'm over yeah. that. I like most of the time. Sometimes that, that stupid, ugly monster pops up and I'm like, I'm not losing to this guy. And, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, I try, I try real hard to keep that idiot at bay because um, I'm, I'm a, right now, especially I'm in a new place. I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to be the the gym bully. I don't want to be considered sure. the jerk, you know. So um you have to be you have to be willing to like lose and you have to be willing to put yourself in bad positions. You have to be willing to try stuff in the training room. Mm-hmm. Um like that's it. Like you just have to be willing to do that. Now like so when, when I went to practice today, my mentality was purely go through my pre-match ritual, execute all the stuff um, that I've drilled for the competition beat everybody I roll with. Mm-hmm. That was my mentality today because I have, I have the Chicago open this weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like, but th- there are other days where it's like, like the focus just has to be different and like, yeah. it has to be okay that you're one of your students or like, you know, one of your training partners puts you in a bad position or beats you on points or taps you out. It just has to be okay. You know? Um, I've, I think this, I think rolling with my kids had helped me with this a little bit because I can't, I can't just smush my kids, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I guess I could, but yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, child protective services would show up at my door. But, um, but th- that really helped me like just chill. Cause I can't, I can't just fling them around, you know? So like 
I let them win. Sometimes they win. Sometimes I make them lose. There's all those little games. But for the most part, I'm just playing. And I just got into this mode where I go to the gym and I'm going to do fun shit, you know, like, oh, I'll yeah, catch a right. footlock or maybe I'll get a seven year old choke. And then when they get out of the choke and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, that's called a seven year old choke, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's I think it's full. You know, I think it's funny. And then like when they know that I get them in the seven year old choke, they're like, oh, you fucker. You got me in the fucking seven year old choke because I mean, you, you heard the story for that, right? No, what is the seven-year-old truck? I'm trying to understand. Oh my goodness! Oh man, I I'm gonna send you a video. It's okay. Jeff Glover is talking about this one time he was teaching a kids class. Um, I'll send you the video, and for all you guys that okay, are listening, yeah. go look up Jeff Glover seven-year-old choke. He tells this story about how he found this choke. It's fucking fantastic, and I've shared this with my my training partners and people I know, so that when they see this coming. They don't want to get caught in this because I love it. Um, it. It's 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 kind of like a, a little bit of a joke, right? And so okay. when I'm rolling, at least at the gym, for the most part, I'm not I'm not being silly. I'm not being an, a, a, one of those jerks where it's just like, oh, oh, oh I'm telling jokes the whole time. No, no I hate that. I, I hate, hate that, that too. No, I'm not doing that. But I am trying to get some of the funnier freakier things so like i'll go for a buggy or i'll go for sure. a seven-year-old choke or i'll do something something funny but for the most part i'm trying to make my pa my partner laugh it's different when i'm ready for when i'm getting ready for a competition for real it's like it's serious i'm not fucking around mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna implement my game i'm gonna practice the things i want to do but uh but if if it's just me and and my new friends or my old friends I'm having fun. I'm playing. And that's the way I kind of always kind of more recently uh, have been approaching jujitsu, especially since like, I know that, you know, being 46, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be winning the Mundials anytime soon. Right. Uh, so I don't, I try not to take myself too seriously when it comes to being on the mats. And I think that's helped because uh, I've gotten injured less. Oh yeah. 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 Way less. Yeah. If you, I mean, I, I try to just count up the times I've hurt myself, you know, like we're basically, it was totally avoidable. And it's actually most of the injuries that I've had, not mm. all of them, you know, but some of them are legitimately just, you know, somebody spazzing and like kneeing me in the face. Like that's not <laughs> on me, you know, but like, but no, I would say like, I would say like, you know, like 85% of the injuries I've ever had were like, you know, I'm either like in a bad position and I should just be like, Hey, like either tap the guy and be like, you know what, this, this position's fucked up. I'm not comfortable, yeah. which the male ego never wants to do that. Right. Or, 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 or I'm like, I'm in a submission where like something is stretched and I think I can get out. I'm pretty sure. And then, you know, yeah. so it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, you're right. You'll get hurt a lot less. So yeah. Yeah. yeah um, Cause you're not taking yourself as serious, but go ahead. Hey, real quick. No, I'm sorry. Um, I my I just heard my uh, my wife get home a little bit ago, and I want to want to go put in some family time. Okay. Cool. Um, is there? But but before we go, can I? I just want to formally invite you to come up this summer, stay at my house, and uh, and you know train for a few days. If you got time? Hell yeah, hell yeah! I'll take you up on that for sure. I, I gotta go. Got I, I'm gonna okay. go up with you, and uh, but before I go with you, I gotta go with Rick. 
Because if I go with you again uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, not go with sure. Rick, Rick is going to get pissed off. <laughs> I, I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. But for sure, like I uh, I owe Rick a visit and, I, and I'm definitely going to go back up uh, to you and it'll be great to uh, hang out and, and uh, you know, train with you guys up there. Um, okay. Sick, man. But uh, yeah, let's let's wrap it up, man. Um, thanks so let's, much let's, for... Let's, like, can, we, can we do another one in like maybe like a couple weeks? Dude, I would love that. I mean... Uh, let's, let's, let's do that because I feel like... Um, I'll shoot you some topics and then like, I know you got, I know you got some ideas, but like, um, yeah, I just feel like, uh, unfortunately like this one was a little rushed. So I feel like there's like way more you could, we could talk about, but if I'm, I'm going to be out of town competing all weekend and I should, mm -hmm. uh, you know, should be a well, good, good, good husband tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm me too, man. I gotta, I gotta go be a good husband. Um, yeah. the kids, the yeah, kids yeah. are, yeah, you know, but anyway, um, I feel like that's my fault because uh, we ventured off of uh, takedowns and then went into leg locks. Oh, and that that's was good. And then leg locks is like a giant. Let's you know, get into that next time for sure. Yeah, Let's get into that next time. Yeah, because uh, I recently purchased uh, the leg lock game from uh, Donaher. And, it's good. Uh, I have yeah. it. It's good. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to get through it, and so I want to I want I'll make sure to digest it, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about that next time. Okay great i'm so down to have you on again sooner i mean it's just i know you're busy you got your business you got your family you got all the stuff and uh, i don't honestly i would i would tap you all the time i, I mean not tap you but i mean have you on all the time <laughs> yeah i don't want to show up that you have like, who are you gonna tap now <laughs> uh, I, I, no i I'd, uh, i i i just i enjoy uh i enjoy podcasts um especially like if nobody asks me any questions, I, I would just like sit quietly for the rest of my life. Like I'm not a big talker, uh -huh. but like from from if you I mean you you have like great prompts and like it's interesting for me to 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 go over the stuff. So I'm I'm down. Okay, cool, man. I love it, man. Hell yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we can do it as often as you want. Uh, okay, all right. It, like if you want to like one day be like, hey, you know, I'm free. You know, you want to do a podcast? Boom, we can make okay. it happen if you want. Man. Sick. Okay, sweet. Let's do it. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks so much, John, for coming on. I have John uh, Lawrence from Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland. Thanks so much. If you guys have not checked out John's school out in Cleveland, Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu, check it out. It's a great facility. John's a great instructor. You guys got to check it out. Uh, thanks so much, John. This is, this is Edgar Otraves. We'll catch you later. The music you're listening to is titled Adrenaline Push by Bonkers Beat Club. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. And should you go over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description so that they know that I sent you. Wow, John is just so damn smart. He's really kind of influenced the way I look at jujitsu, and I'm so honored to have him on the show. I'm gonna try to do another one with John in the next couple of weeks, hopefully that pans out, but in the meantime, if you want more John Lawrence analytical jiu-jitsu conversations, I have a whole bunch of that already in the podcast. He's also got a YouTube channel. You can check him out there. He's always posting stuff in the YouTube, but especially on Instagram. So if you want to follow John, he's on Instagram under the name Hurricane JJ. And he also has a beautiful website, HurricaneJJ.com. If you happen to live in Cleveland, Ohio, I highly encourage you go over to hurricane jiu-jitsu academy uh, you can find all that information on his website don't worry i will post all his information in the description so you can find him and you know show him some love 
Now, if you like this and you want more, make sure you head on over to thefloropodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes, including episodes with John in it, and a store where you can purchase some merchandise and help out the podcast. Also, don't forget to follow me, Edgar Otraves, under the name Edgar Otraves. And don't forget to follow The Flow Row Podcast on Instagram under the name The Flow Row. And help out the podcast by liking, subscribing, and commenting wherever you get your podcasts at. Thank you so much, John, for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Can't wait to have the next one with you, man. We'll talk soon. This is Ego Otra Vez. We'll catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Laters. Laters.